Bible tells us in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, and he spake, meaning Jesus, a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. And that is so important for us. I mean, we just have so much going on in our lives. We say, well, I don't have time to eat lunch. You know, I don't have time to take a break. I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to do all of those things. Well, all of that may be true in your life, but we should always be in prayer mode. Prayer should always be the, one of the number one things at the top of our list. That is all true because the covenant promise of God says that when we pray, things are going to take place. So if you need things to take place in your life, people of God, one thing you must do is pray. Yeah, that's why our common foe, the devil, tries to distract us so that we can't, we don't want to, or we won't pray. He knows it. And he tries to do it, and I know that he tries to do that in your life because he tries to do that in my life as well. We know the devil is a liar. Amen, somebody. So when we don't spend time in prayer, heaven does not have permission to grant us what we need through all that, here's that word, grace has provided for and made available to us. So I want you to get this in your spirit this morning. Nothing happens in your life and in this earth without prayer. That is a given. That is a given. So let's look at Matthew chapter 16, verses 18 and 19. And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of God. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Hallelujah. Every situation in life that you could have has a key. Every person has a key to their salvation, whether it be, has, has a key, whether it be salvation, whether it be deliverance, whether it be healing, no matter what it may be, no situation is, so ever, is, is ever so cleverly planned by the forces of darkness that there is not a way out, that there is no way out. Think about the times when people have, have talked to you and said, well, I'm going through a situation and a circumstance and it, there's just no way, it, there's no way out for me. There's nothing that I can do. I've done everything. I've exhausted all of the possibilities and there's just no way out. The Bible says, whatsoever thou shalt bind. So that phrase, to bind, and to loose was often used by the Hebrew people. It meant to prohibit and to permit. To bind a thing was to forbid it. And to loose it means to allow it to be done. So the binding and loosing that we're talking about here in Matthew chapter 16 verses 18. 
The binding and loosing is not a picture of heaven doing our bidding because after all, our Heavenly Father God is not a cosmic bellhop, people of God. Rather, it portrays us in harmony or in symphony with heaven. So Jesus is not saying, well, here's some keys and whatever you want to do, I'll make it happen. No, it's just the opposite for that. We are to be binding and we are the ones that are supposed to be loosing, even as it's done in heaven. We are to be in harmony and in symphony with everything that Jesus has done and already provided for us through grace. So this passage here in Matthew chapter 16 is just so very important because it's the first time that Jesus uses the word church. Yeah. So there's a principle of hermeneutics here. Yeah, everybody say hermeneutics. And it's called the principle of first mention. You've heard that before. Which says you will usually find a key foundational understanding about a subject in the first place that is ever mentioned in Scripture. So when Jesus first mentions the church here in Matthew chapter 16, we find three keys and three reasons why the church is essential. So Jesus says here in verse 18, he says, upon this rock, I will build my church. So whenever we read scripture, language is so important for us. So language, he says, I will build my church. It speaks of possessiveness, possessiveness. It talks about Jesus wants to, when he says, my church, we are the church. We are the called out ones. We are the ecclesia. We are the body of Christ. And Jesus is referring to us as his special possessions here in the earth. Jesus didn't say, I will build a church or I'll put up with the church. For he very plainly said, I will build my church. And one thing I want you to know this morning is that Jesus is proud of his people. Jesus is proud of you. He's proud of us. He's not ashamed of us. The enemy would have you to believe that perhaps, you know, your family... You know, the Lord Jesus, he is ashamed of you, but that is not so. That is a lie from the pit of hell. He's not ashamed of you. He sees all of the potential that all of us have as children of the Most High God. You see, when Jesus first called Peter, he said, I call you Petros or small rock. He said that because he was going to change him from who he was to who he wanted him to be. And he wanted him to be solid, he wanted him to be stable, and he wanted him to be a useful disciple who would help him in the ministry. One thing I love about the Lord is he doesn't see any of our flaws. All of us have warts. All of us have pimples, whether you know they can be seen or whether they can't be seen. But we all have flaws. Hallelujah. And even in our flaws, even with the warts that we have, it doesn't mean that we're not holy and acceptable unto God because we have presented our bodies already to him as a living sacrifice and we are holy and acceptable unto God. Hallelujah. But God sees the potential for us. 
We are useful members of the body of Christ. If your finger hurts, your body hurts. If your toe hurts, your body hurts. If your tooth hurts, your body hurts. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. We have already been seated with Christ in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All right. So when Jesus sees us, he sees the potential in us. He sees that we are holy and set apart and sanctified unto him. But he also sees us as already being perfected in him. Hallelujah. And not only that, but he sees us because we are robed in righteousness, his righteousness, and we have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. And all of our sins, all of our failures and shortcomings are completely out of his sight. And they're even gone and wiped out of his memory. Everybody ought to say glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, I know there were some things. Hallelujah. That transpired in my life. Hallelujah. That I'm so glad that it's been washed away by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Somebody's over there laughing <laughs> about my life. But praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. So he sees us as perfect people. Isn't that incredible? That is an incredible thing. That's the way that Jesus looks at us, his church. He says, I see your hearts and I'm proud of you, people of God. I see what you've gone through. I know it hasn't been easy for you, but you've pressed towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. One of the things that we need to do as people of God is don't stop praying. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. And he says here in 16 and 18, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Mm. Yeah. Hallelujah. You know, today, because we live in this, this uh, uh, permissive society in which we live today, there are just so many things that are quote unquote politically correct. In many cities throughout our country today, they have what they, they're called sanctuary cities. The city of Philadelphia is called a sanctuary city. And a sanctuary city, there are places that are set aside in, in particular cities, whether they be churches or other, other, uh, other, other places where people who, who have been uh, illegal immigrants and people who have, uh, are seeking sanctuary because of things that they have done, and they can come in and take refuge, and they can hole up in a particular place, amen, so that they'll be out of harm's way and law enforcement cannot get to them. But for many years, a lot of us in the church have looked at the church as being a refuge where we could just hold up and just say, well, I'm going to be here until the Lord comes back. But the Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So that means, hallelujah, if we huddle together within the church singing, I'm just going to hold the fort until the Lord comes. Everything's going to be all right. But that is not what Jesus meant. Gates themselves don't prevail in and of themselves. In fact, let me ask you this question. How many of you were ever attacked by a gate? Perhaps you've been hit where the good Lord split you, but you've never really, amen, been attacked by a gate. 
Jesus is saying that the gates of hell will not hold back my church, Pastor Dora. Hallelujah. That's what we heard today. No matter what, the enemy may send our way. Hallelujah. The gates of hell. Hallelujah. Anything that the enemy could send will not hold back my church. He says, I am going to prevail in the earth through my church. Jesus wants to prevail in this earth, in your community, in your family, in your home, and on your job, through you because you are the ecclesia. You are part of that body of baptized believers in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Hallelujah. Whatever shall be loosed on earth shall be loosed even as it is in heaven. Jesus protects his church and he gives us his keys to the kingdom. Well, if you were to look at Pastor Dora's keychain, you will see identical keys on her chain as there are on my keychain. Why is that so? Because I'm her bridegroom. And she's my bride. She has the same keys that I do. Why? Because we share authority. We rule together over our home, over our finances, and our fleet of hoop D's. Just kidding about that. We are one together in Christ Jesus. Amen. So Jesus the head has given his bride, us, the church, the keys to his kingdom. And what Jesus is saying, listen, I'm giving you authority to the church to bring together or to loosen even as it is happening in heaven. But don't stop praying, people of God. So if we thought, so if the thought has ever crossed your mind that why hasn't this or that happened? Ask yourself, did I pray about that in the name of Jesus? We have been given the authority to pray in the name of Jesus. So when we pray in the name of Jesus, we give heaven the necessary permit. All businesses need the necessary and required permits before they can enter into and open up their business establishment. Builders and contractors need permits before they can build anything. Well, likewise, heaven needs a permit from you to do everything that you need it to do and that you ask it to do. Prayer is the permitting process by which heaven can show up with all of the finished works of Jesus Christ on your behalf, people of God. We would all agree that prayer is communication with God, would we not? Well, why not communicate with him more often? Mm -hmm. So then prayer is saying what God has already said in his word. Amen? Amen. We must always pray the word of God, no matter what. So now let's go to Ephesians chapter 6 at verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 6, 
in verse 10. Finally, and I'm reading it in the King James right now. Perhaps you have it there in the, uh, the Amplified. Well, let's read it in the Amplified. In conclusion, be strong in the Lord. Be empowered through your union with him. Draw your strength from him. That strength with his boundless might supplies. So prayer literally is saying what God has already said in his word. Prayer is saying what God has already done and said. Are we supposed to be strong in our own strength, people of God? No. We are supposed to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We are supposed to trust God, but we are supposed to trust God for strength. Hallelujah. We are supposed to trust God for his might, people of God. The King James says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Mm. Mm. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Wiles are trickery and methods by which the enemy would try to distract you, why he would try to hinder you, why he would try to stop you. Amen. From receiving all that Jesus has already provided for you. The devil has a strategy to steal, to kill, and to destroy you. Mm. He has a strategy to try to get you to not stand on God's word. Mm. Spiritual Spiritual warfare is you're not trying to put the devil in a headlock. That's a wrestling coach in the house. He's the one that will teach you how to put your enemy in a headlock. All right? Spiritual warfare is you maintaining your stance, watch this, on the finished works of Jesus. Maintain your stance. Have you ever seen a military person? Have you ever seen them just, they can stand, they can stand at attention, they can stand at parade rest, they can stand at ease. They can stand in just so many different, in so many different stances until they are given the next command. Yeah. At ease. Fall out as you were, whatever it may be. It's our job to stand, therefore, right. and having done all to stand, stand with your loins girt about with truth and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. It's your job to maintain your stance on the finished works of Jesus. Hallelujah. And if you can stand on the finished works of Jesus, you'll be able to stand, hallelujah, and stand knowing. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Spiritual warfare is our obtaining and maintaining what Jesus has already provided for us. He has already obtained the victory, which includes healing, salvation, deliverance, and every other thing that you could need that pertains to life and godliness, people of God. Our job in spiritual warfare is to maintain our stance and our confidence in what Jesus died to obtain. How many times have you said, I, I certainly, I'm not going to give, I look, I work too hard for this. 
and nobody or nothing is going to come and take it away from me without a fight. I've got my blood, my sweat, and my tears, and my equity invested in this thing, and I know the devil is a liar. Yes. Maintain your stance and confidence in what Jesus died to obtain for you. So we don't pray for victory. Yeah. We don't pray for victory. We pray from victory. And we pray from our position of victory. Lord, watch this. Watch this. Lord, I thank you for what you've done and for what you're going to do. Lord, I give you the glory. Victory. In the name of Jesus. Have you ever seen any of the, uh, the old World War II battleships? And on those battleships, they would have a placard. It would have a V on it. Battleship. Before they even went into battle, the placard with the V was already attached to that ship, even before the first shot was fired. Makes it easier when you know you've got the victory before you even go into battle. Know that you've already won before the first shot has ever been fired. Hallelujah. We know that we already healed right now because Jesus provided it for us over 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary. So now it's up to you, people of God. It's up to you to stand on that and maintain your healing regardless of what is going on in your body. The devil's job is to come up with schemes to try to move you off of that stance that you were healed. His job is to use your situations and your circumstances to try to remove you from that stance. If he can remove you from that stance, he's winning the battle against you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when he comes with different strategies to try to get you off of the victory, Jesus has already obtained for you and you maintain your stance no matter what. People of God, you are winning. And if you are winning, that means he's losing. I'm going to say it again. If you're winning, he's losing. The enemy wants to kill you. He's not your friend. The way to defeat him is by knowing what Jesus has already done. And secondly, maintaining your stance in confidence. Nothing surprises me anymore. Pastor Dora and I have those conversations all of the time. And she'll say this and that. And I say, look, you know what, Pastor? Well, honey, you know, depending on, you know, what particular mode we may be in at that time. I say, listen, nothing surprises me anymore. I'm not surprised by anything from anybody anymore. But one thing I am never surprised about is what God is doing in our lives. That's the confidence that we have in him. Knowing that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us and we know we have confidence in knowing that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Hallelujah. 
no matter what the enemy comes with, even if you don't have it in your bank account, your stance ought to be, Lord, I thank you that I am prosperous. If you get a bad report about your health, your report ought to be, Lord, I thank you that I am healed by the stripes that Jesus bore in Jesus' name. If depression tries to come upon you, your response should be, I have the joy of the Lord. Joy bells are ringing down in my soul. And if you do that, people of God, you'll always win the battle of spiritual warfare. Hallelujah. Now, back to verse 12. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Back to verse 12. Here. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Hallelujah. Newsflash. Newsflash for you. Your enemy is not your spouse. Your enemy is not your children. Your enemy is not your co-worker or the person that, was sitting, that is sitting next to you, people of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. So none of those people sitting next to you, no many, no, not any of those people that are in that cubicle next to yours, no matter that person that comes in and irritates you on a daily basis, comes into your office while you're trying to get some work done and irritates you and, and goes off the wall with their nonsense or that person when you drive up to the drive-thru to try to get your Starbucks coffee in the morning. Now, you know you said you wanted cream, no sugar. They put sugar, no cream in it. They're not your enemy. None of those things or those people are your enemies. But we are wrestling against principalities, against powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Believe it or not, there are levels of demonic forces in this earth, people of God. There are demons, and then there are angels. There is a heaven, and there is a hell. But don't allow yourself to be deceived into thinking that there is no hell. There are spiritual forces that are working against you. Sometimes it could be a bad attitude, you lost your temper, or you just missed the mark. Those are all spiritual forces that are working against you. Those are all things that are influenced by demonic forces that are coming against you. And demons are doing everything that they can to destroy your life. But thank God for Jesus and the blood that he shed for us on the cross of Calvary. And I declare right now that no demonic force will ever be able to stop you, people of God. You are not fighting for victory. You are fighting from victory. If it is done by the Father in heaven, then it is finished. It is already created for you in Jesus' name. We have his power. We have his authority here on this earth. So, people of God, are you ready for the Lord to send all of the hosts of heaven to go to work for you right now? Thank you for listening to today's message. Visit www.rwolfc.com for articles, blog posts, message references, and our monthly calendar of events. 